beautiful skirts and scrubs. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Alicia. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and to current events to try and understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and as women in general. You can find and follow us on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, which are all at From Skirts to Scrubs. We have a Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. And you can check out our website, which is from scrubs.com for more information on our show notes, episodes, sources, merch, and more. Yeah. And you can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts and Spotify are great places to do both of those. Yeah, they are. All righty. We're back. Second episode, mini-series, More Than a Uterus. Let's do it. Reminder that we are not officially medical doctors yet, and this is not medical advice. We are just going to be talking about these conditions based off of our own research and experiences, but if you are concerned that you have this condition, please talk to a medical professional. Thanks. So last episode, we dove into the world of POTS. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about something that many of you have probably heard of already, and it's called lupus. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this as like, you know, part of my little intro. I was like, what did I first hear about lupus? And I feel like it really Selena blew Gomez. up. Yes. I was literally <laughs> like, I think it was like the celebrity world when we were like kids where mm-hmm. I was like, everyone's out here, whatever, with lupus. And yeah, it's. I realized it was when I found out that Selena Gomez had it and then had to get a kidney transplant. A kidney, yes, that was huge. <laughs> yeah, and my mom does kidney transplants, so I feel like it was like a big topic of discussion in my house was like Selena <laughs> Gomez is getting a kidney. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, but... Well, I was going to ask Charlotte, like, your thoughts on lupus or, like, do you remember the first time you heard about it? But it sounds like it was Selena Gomez also. It was Selena Gomez. I really really feel like it was. And I still think of lupus a lot, like, connected to her. Like, she has the moon faces really bad, like, recently. Oh, yeah, from corticosteroids. If you've seen pictures of her, like, people are like, oh, she's gained so much weight. It's like, that's because she's on steroids for her lupus. That is a side effect of keeping her alive. Like yeah, I know. People are such yes. annoying, rude people. Expletive, expletive. <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally agree. I'm like, that was totally the first time I heard about this. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm excited to talk about it more. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. So what exactly is lupus? Lupus, or systemic lupus erythematosus, is a complex and chronic autoimmune disease that affects millions of people worldwide. And in autoimmune diseases, just like as some background, the body's immune system, which is responsible for defending the body against harmful substances like bacteria, viruses, etc., will mistakenly start attacking its own healthy cells and tissue. So normally the immune system can typically differentiate between self and foreign, but in autoimmune diseases, this recognition process goes haywire and you just start attacking yourself. And to understand this kind of better, because it's like a weird concept, um, I like to imagine the immune system as an army that protects the body. And in an autoimmune disease, the immune system gets confused and starts attacking its own soldiers, treating them mm-hmm. like they're foreign invaders. And this like a civil war. It is like body. a civil war, but like because the body thinks that there's like 
aliens, but they're actually just the soldiers. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it's our analogy to make. <laughs> yes. Civil war. Um, and the attack leads to inflammation and damage to various organs and systems, especially depending on the different type of autoimmune disease that it is. So with this, you can kind of imagine that symptoms of autoimmune diseases like lupus affect lots of different parts of the body. And this Mm -hmm. is why lupus is often called the great imitator because its Mm -hmm. symptoms can mimic those of other conditions. And that makes it very difficult to diagnose as evidenced by the questions in board studying material Hmm. being very difficult to figure out that the answer is lupus because it like looks like so many other things. Super random, super random. Yeah. And it looks like everything, but it also looks like nothing. And it's just very confusing. So let's talk about some of those symptoms. Biggest symptom that most people experience is actually just fatigue, extreme fatigue. Many people experience this like overwhelming fatigue that does not get better with any amount of rest. So you could sleep all day and still be tired. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have joint pain and swelling that often affects the really small joints in the hands, wrists, and knees. Um, and sometimes they can move. So that's called like migratory arthralgia and it's just the idea that like the pain can one day feel like it's in your wrist and the next day feels like it's in your knee and you're like what the heck this doesn't make sense but it does Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. um people also experience skin rashes so the very classic one is like the butterfly shaped rash across the cheeks and the bridge of the nose and this is known as a malar rash um other rashes are like they can be discoid which are like round and raised and kind of scaly they look a little bit like psoriasis um and other times the rashes are like photosensitive so if you're in the sunlight and you get hit that can also cause a rash Mm -hmm. fever is a big one so they're like unexplained and like low grade but just really persistent fevers um and then people also experience chest pain breathing difficulties um, because of inflammation around the lungs and like the chest Kidney problems, Selena Gomez, we know about her kidneys kidney issues. That she, yeah, kidneys get really, get hit really hard. And it's a very complicated or a very common complication, lupus nephritis. Mm-hmm. Um, Raynaud's phenomenon. So maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, but like a lot of people will like use it colloquially. I feel like they'll be like, I have Raynaud's. Yeah. And it's when the tips of your fingers and toes turn white or blue in response to cold temperature. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's super common. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like just have cold hands and feet, like poor circulation, but they like attribute it to Raynaud's. It's not necessarily that because like Raynaud's is literally because your blood vessels are spasming, but you know, you got cold toes, you got cold toes. It feels the same either way. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lots of neurological symptoms. If things get really bad with lupus, they can cause seizures and headaches and memory problems, even strokes, um, ulcers on the mouth and nose. To add on to the neuro, they can cause psychiatric Mm -hmm. issues too. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's a freaking board question on that too. It's like a teenager who has random psych issues. 
and like joint pain. You're like lupus and it's lupus. It's lupus. Love that. Um, Love interesting those tidbit. I didn't know until that one. humans. <laughs> I know. So random. Um, hair loss is very common. Yeah. Mouth ulcers, like I said. And actually, I just remembered. So those are just some of, you know, the long list of symptoms that you can have with lupus. And they're kind of all over the place. Like they're not very specific. They're not super helpful. And that's why diagnosing lupus is very difficult. Mm -hmm. But to do it, it's usually done with a lot of blood tests and also based off of the symptoms that the person is having. So a lot of autoimmune diseases in general typically make you can find in the blood levels of antibodies, which are just like things, proteins that your immune system makes to kind of tag foreign invaders. The problem is, is that the invaders are not actually invaders and they're really your body. And so you end up having antibodies against things that are just normally existent in your cells. And one of them for lupus, for example, is an antibody against double-stranded DNA, which everyone has literally is your dna (laughs) it's just your dna but in lupus you can literally have an antibody against your literal dna yeah that's why it's everywhere that's why it's so random it is everywhere and lupus is yeah quite a problem when it comes to that and so how do we treat lupus what do we do there's lots of different ways and medications that we give to people who have lupus and kind of like a fun history factoid is The first kind of medication that people used for lupus was found in 1894, and it was quinine, which I don't know if you have heard of quinine or remember what it is, but it's actually the stuff that they found helps against malaria. Yeah. 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 I feel like we've talked about this before. I know that at my core from this podcast will kill you. Oh, I think I've heard about it from like before, but yes, that's totally something that they would talk about that like makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's in tonic water. And so they found out that people who drank tonic water had lower Mm. rates of malaria and it's because of the quinine. Interesting. And it also has anti-lupus effects. But biggest like medications that we use are steroids, um, anti-malarials were something that were used in the past, like quinine. Um, and now we kind of use more heavy duty medications, um, such as biologics and other more intense immunosuppressants that we sometimes give to like transplant patients, um, to help prevent rejection. We can also give those to treat lupus. And so it's basically just like anything that can kind of tamper down your body's natural desire to ramp up and like cause a flare. Mm -hmm. That's what we use to treat lupus. It's quite complicated and super complicated. I don't try to pretend I understand. No, I'm going to leave that to the rheumatologist. Yeah, they they know what they're doing. Brief history on lupus, like super brief, literally like a four sentence history on lupus. But I just thought this was fun. (laughs) Um, So the first person to have potentially seen lupus was in 400 BC. It was a Greek physician. Who do you think it was? How long ago? Can you guess? Hippocrates? Yeah, classic. <laughs> but that's why I'm also like, mm, was it really the first case of lupus or was it just the first documented case of lupus? You know? True. Yeah. True, yeah. Um, especially because it's a disease that mostly affects women. Spoiler. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if it had been around earlier. The word lupus itself is Latin for wolf, which you likely have guessed. Mm -hmm. And this is because in the 13th century, the doctor Rogerius um, used that word to describe the facial lesions because he said that they looked kind of like a wolf bite. And that's why it's called lupus. A wolf bite? How interesting. I know. What does a wolf bite look like? Like lupus. Like a butterfly rash? (laughs) Yes. It's a rash what? across the nose. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I thought they were going to say like the rash made like the markings look like a wolf face. That would have been cooler. No. no. I thought that would be sick and make more sense. But well. Apparently I need to Google wolf bites now. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but Rogerius, who has the name rights to this disease, thought that the rash looked like a wolf's bite. Yep. Okay. Um, in 1872, Maurizio Capozzi, a Vienna dermatologist, was the first to describe lupus as a systemic disease rather than just like a cutaneous mm. or skin disease. And he right, also yeah. was the first to describe it as like life-threatening and noting that it commonly affected young women. Yeah. Good. And then over time, I kind of glazed over the rest because the rest is kind of boring. It basically was like, this person Hmm. noticed this type of lupus. This person noticed this type of lupus. And I'm like, none of us care. I don't care. And essentially, like, over the centuries, more and more research has come out. More information was uncovered about lupus. And honestly, the only issue is that all of that happened so slowly. But also, mm. is that really that surprising? Because no, because research on a female dominated disease, yeah, isn't very prevalent. It's not surprising, just disappointing. A classic, you know, feeling that we all have. So, who does lupus affect? Well, it typically affects women, duh. And actually, mm-hmm. it's been shown that nine out of ten patients with lupus are women. So, it literally affects ninety, like of. So many. Yeah, like 90% of the patients with lupus are women. And it's not just women, but it's women of reproductive age, which is particularly interesting and something we'll get into in a second. Yeah. So then our question of like, why is it more common in women? Well, there are thoughts that, of course, like, I feel like this is the catch-all kind of thing is that female hormones impact the way that the body's immune system functions, which is why more Mm -hmm. autoimmune diseases occur in women, which I'm like, oh, someone give me something new. Someone tell me something I don't know. Like, (laughs) I want a new fun tidbit. Well, I have a new fun tidbit because I was like, this is so boring. I'm literally so bored. (laughs) So I was like reading some papers because I was like, okay, we got to go to some primary literature. So some papers I was reading actually showed like more of a mechanism for how estrogen has an impact on interferon production, which interferon is essentially this chemical that the body makes that is a part of a family of chemicals that kind of act like alarm bells to tell the body that, you know, inflammation needs to happen. There's a foreign invader. Mm -hmm. It like calls the immune system into action. It's like ding, ding, ding. Interferon is one Mm -hmm. of those. And there's thoughts that estrogen has a direct impact on interferon production. Mm -hmm. One theory that I thought was actually super interesting is based on this idea that like 
So lupus is most common in women of reproductive age. So why reproductive age? Well, this Mm -hmm. theory says that there is this concept of microchimerism in pregnancy. And this makes sense. So this concept is that when a female is pregnant, she grows a placenta and the placenta is directly shared with the fetus. And so there's a sharing of cells between mom and baby. But we never know exactly which cells are being shared. You know, there's just like this back and forth of cells. Yeah. And that's true. We've seen that in like other things. But there is this one case study of a female patient with lupus who had two male babies. And then she died Mm -hmm. of lupus-related complications. So after her death, they did like more investigating on like the cellular level and actually found Mm -hmm. that male baby cells, like the cells of those like male fetuses were found in organs and tissues that were affected by the lupus. Oh, what? But male cells weren't found in healthy organs. So that is interesting. So there's this thought that maybe like the microchimerism of like sharing cells with your baby because those cells are like foreign but they're not foreign they're like still like in your body but maybe they are like detected as foreign and that's what sets off this cascade of like autoimmunity against like yourself Hmm. only male babies or just as case studies just as case studies because i think what like helped them see that was that like they were male cells so they had xy chromosomes Mm. so they like could be identified as like not mother cells gotcha yeah Yeah, i guess it would be a lot harder if it was a female baby initially see the exactly exactly oh yeah so i was like oh that's kind of cool that is kind of cool i'm like uh, that's new fun information that we wanted on lupus yes i was like i'm here to bring something different i'm really tired of this hormones are causing this problem So I thought, you know, we could just talk about lupus today, personal stories, anecdotes. I have a story I'm excited to share that was like a memory that I unlocked. And I'm like, okay, what better place to share this than a public forum like my podcast? (laughs) Well, personally, I have never seen a lupus patient that I can remember. Hmm. Over the last year. Nor do I know anyone personally with lupus. So my <laughs> stories are quite limited. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, my only story is Selena Gomez's lupus. <laughs> I will say actually like my grandma and my dad had more, have more of like a cutaneous lupus. Oh, interesting. That like only affects their skin. At least that's what they claim to have. I don't know. But they like. My dad has like tons of like sores on his skin oh. that he claims is a cutaneous lupus. So I don't know if there are a million types of lupus and that's one then adds up, I guess. I, yeah. I mean, cutaneous lupus is a thing. I love this self-diagnosed situation your dad has going on. Yeah, I know. He said it for years, but I really can't think of a single patient. I'm sure I've had a patient with lupus, but I do not remember 
if I've had one. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you, I have a couple of stories about lupus. So the first is, yeah, like a patient that I had um, when I was on my maternal fetal medicine rotation who she had lupus pericarditis. We treated her with steroids. She went home. It was all good. Yeah, she's had it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, she's honestly doing fine. But it is, I can imagine that it's really frustrating to like have these, you know, she was pregnant and she had this flare and then she had to come into the hospital twice. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so annoying. Yeah, and a lot of money. Yeah. Um, But the other person that I knew who had lupus was actually when I was a kid in high school. No, even I was in high school. And I used to swim for a club swim team, like a rec swim team. Actually, we were pretty yeah. competitive. But anyway, on this swim team, like in the summer, we'd swim outside. In the winter, we would swim inside. But in the summer, there was this like girl on my team. She was like a, a younger kid. And she had lupus for surezies, like malar rash, like hmm. photosensitivity. So that's why the summer situation was like not amazing for her. But her mom chose to not tell her that she had lupus. She was what? like Why six not? or something or seven. And like she decided to not tell her because she didn't like want her to know until she was older, I guess. Um, and so I just remember because I would help coach the younger kids that my like actual like the head coach like told me this. And I was like, because he was like, don't ever bring it up to her. Like, her mom doesn't want her to know. What? And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I guess I won't say anything. What's the downfall of knowing you have lupus? I don't know. Maybe she didn't want her daughter to know or feel like she was sick. Like, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But, Maybe. yeah, that's my only guess. I did not ask this mother any questions about it. I was like. Yeah, <laughs> don't question the mom. I'm not going to question this. be weird. Yeah. But um, that was that. That's interesting because, um, like, a common disease people don't tell their kids about is, like, HIV. Oh, you get yeah. HIV as a baby. Like, a lot of people don't tell the child till they're, like, a little older and they can, like, understand better and things like that. And that's I always think that's, like ethically really interesting too is like when do you tell your child they have this like life-altering disease you know yeah but also preserve their childhood oh i was wondering if you saw anywhere how long lupus diagnosis takes so my wondering is throughout the various disorders diseases that we talk about in this series like what will in the end you can like go back on our instagram and look at this it's like, what was the average amount of time to diagnosis for all? Six? Oh, that's a good idea. According to the Lupus Foundation of America, it can take on average six years to diagnose someone wow. with yeah, lupus. It's a long time. From the time that they first notice their symptoms to the time that they actually get the diagnosis. Yeah, that's so long. Okay, so we have two and six, so we'll have to see. Yeah, that's a good pondering. Nice question. Nice. Always thinking, little Char. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, no, if you so have nice. any other thoughts or ponderings and you're curious about what more things we think about in our free time, you should subscribe to our mm-hmm. podcast um, and leave a rating and review. Apple Podcasts is the best place for that because you can leave a fun little comments and stuff, but you can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify if you like. Yeah, and you can also follow us on social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, 
Twitter, all those things. And we also have a website, which is from skirtscrubs.com. And lastly, here is to the women who have fought for us to be where we are today. And maybe we do the same for those who come after us. See you next time.